everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. It's a chilly bowl edition, and I'm here overlooking the track that's getting torn up right now at the Tulsa Expo Center with Blake Anderson, who just called the chili bowl on the PA. Blake, how are you? I'm great. It's one of my favorite days of the year, the chili bowl is one of my favorite events of the season. It's kind of one of those events where we get to see our friends from everywhere, whether they race non-wing sprint cars, wing sprint cars, modified, late models, pavement, our NASCAR buddies that get to come back. So it's a pretty special race to me. So Blake, you've been talking pretty much nonstop since Tuesday, I guess, afternoon. Uh, I've seen you out in the middle of the track, standing on the platform, and there's so much noise going on, and yet you're talking away in the microphone and I can only, I'm not in the stand, so I can only hear you when the cars stop going, but gosh, I, like, how do you do it? How do you do it for like all these days and just calling the action like this? It's a lot of uh, mental preparation. I guess a lot of work goes into getting ready for the Chili Bowl, but I'm lucky enough that I get to announce sprint car races for a living. So I think uh, that kind of keeps my voice in shape. And that's a big thing. You, you think about from the standpoint of like running to get in shape is announcing kind of is similar to that where you when you don't do it for a while you can't go as long so when you when you do it a lot you stay your voice stays in shape and I think I was looking back when I was talking with my dad this past weekend this is my 36th straight month I've called a race so you, it just kind of it's what you do for a living so it's uh, it's old habit I guess that's pretty cool well um, this was obviously my first chili bowl and you and other people in the dirt community were extremely welcoming and I really appreciate that because I was come, kind of coming here and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, people are going to go, oh, the NASCAR guy is coming. Like, oh, you know, well, what's this guy doing here? Oh, my God. Oh, now he swoops in. He's all going you know, to talk about NASCAR guys. But actually, it was quite the opposite. The dirt community was super welcoming, super friendly, super nice. And I feel like I'm, I'm walking away from here going, man, I love these people. Um, what's, the, what's the secret that you guys have been keeping in this dirt community all this time? We're so appreciative that guys like you will come out and cover our events. You know, you think of all the followers you have and the impact you have in the racing community and the fact that you take your time out of your off season, if you will, to come cover our little race here really means a lot. And I was pumped when I saw you were coming and I was impressed with you and how fast you took to the program and how quick you picked up on kind of some of the players and who to watch and how the format worked because it's a lot different format than what we're used to in the NASCAR world, especially with no qualifying here at the Chili Bowl. It's all based off passing points, so the more pa cars you pass, the better you're going to set yourself up. But this is, uh, it's been our, as I was telling you earlier, it's kind of been our little hidden gem that's not really hidden anymore. And I think a lot of that is due to guys like Kyle getting into the Cup Series and really talking about how special this thing is and all the Cup guys that come back and NASCAR guys. I mean, you think tonight's winner, Christopher Bell, is uh, just won a NASCAR championship, is moving up to the Xfinity Series. Guys like Rico, J.J. Yaley, Casey Kane, guys that you see so much that come to this event and hype it up so much. And I, I'm glad to see that it exceeded expectations for a lot of folks. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's kind of funny because you know, I kind of dip into like this foreign world here. And yet at the end, it comes down to the NASCAR guys dominating this race. And, and this is honestly, I was sitting up in the stands because um, as a media person here, I mean, they don't have seats. I mean, there's a huge waiting list for seats, as you know. And so it's not like they can just say, hey, there's a huge media section so you can watch it. So uh, there's a platform that's general admission that I could have stood on. But fortunately, um, one of my Twitter followers, who you know, Jennifer, 
uh, Jennifer CG is her, her Twitter. She had an extra ticket. Her uncle didn't come, so she said, you can come sit in the stands. So I watched from the stands, and um, I had my mask on. I, I wussed out. But I'm, I had my jaw dropping open under my mask because I was so completely thrilled with what we saw here. I mean, um, you know, you can really, really, really see the drivers having an impact and what they're doing. And I, I just kept thinking, holy crap, these guys have huge, gigantic balls. I don't know how else to put it, but, like, you can see, like, I, I have such an appreciation for their talent now. And, unfortunately, I mean, even Christopher Bell, he gets in, like, a, a NASCAR car. You're like, yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's good. But you can't see that he's doing anything special in NASCAR because the cars are just kind of go around. They follow each other for the most part. Um, he's not doing anything different. They're, his car's fast. He wins, whatever. But I couldn't point to it and say he's good because of this. But when I see him out on this track, I'm like, wow, this is, like, unbelievable. I mean, it has to be pretty cool to see these guys, th th their talent come through. I think the biggest thing that we talk about a lot about this race is you can literally see a guy will himself to a win. Like, he just wants it more than the guy next to him. And I think that's what we saw with Kyle for a lot of the race tonight before he unfortunately lost his engine it, when it blew up is he just wanted it. He wanted it more, and he was he was more aggressive in traffic and Christopher has the advantage that he could sit back and relax. He's got a driller. He won it last year. And Kyle, that's kind of that uh, unchecked box on his his dirt resume that he wants so bad. And as we you know, heard all week that uh, got a lot of the NASCAR fans stirred up how bad he wants to win a Chili Bowl. But that's the cool thing here is it's a little more of a more even playing field, if you will, where guys are, you know, it's a, it's a small track. It's a quarter mile, if you will. And you can see guys will it to win, and it gets slick, and it gets a heavy cushion that the guys are struggling to race on. So it really, the, the talent seems to shine through a little bit more. Well, what was interesting to your point is, you know, Bell uh, was able to take the lead from Larson. Larson started in the pole. Bell gets the lead, and he's out cruising, and he's, you know, he was kind of picking his way through traffic, and all of a sudden Larson catches him and passes him. And Bell said after, you know what, I, I guess I, I was just going too easy in traffic. Larson was pouncing on these guys. He was being more aggressive, and it was that he wanted it more. And, and I love that you can see that. Like, in NASCAR, I think we almost want to imagine that we're seeing it like, oh, man, you know, and, and the bottom line is, you know, we, we almost uh, fabricate these stories. Not fabricate them, but they're, they're almost in our imagination sometimes. We're like, this guy, he came out more motivated. And it turns out you talk to the drivers later, and they're like, we just had a fast car. Like I can't do anything more than I'm already doing in these in cup cars or in, in, in stock cars in general. But like I said, you get here and it's like Larson, you know, he's having a dream night. Unfortunately, uh, lap 42, I think 13 laps to go, his engine blows. And it was a, it was a huge letdown to the point where even Christopher Bell, you heard him in the post-race press conference. He said repeatedly, he was disappointed. He said he was heartbroken that, Kyle, that happened to Kyle Larson because he, they are so invested. They want the fans to have a good time. Bell was disappointed that the fans didn't get a good show, even though he won. And that just shows how much of a racer Christopher is. I think that he wanted to have to, not that he didn't earn it, but really earn it. You know, it was him and Kyle out there duking it out. And I think that he wanted to know that he beat Kyle at the end of the day to win it and vice versa. But that's what you get. I mean, the lap traffic, when we get in lap traffic, that's when it gets fun. And that's when you're the leader and it's tough to know. We These midgets... We don't have rear-view mirrors. We don't have spotters. You basically kind of go on sound, and you can hear. And a lot of these guys are pretty strapped in there, and their peripheral vision is not very much. So 
you kind of got to go on inst- instinct and you just don't know how aggressive to get in traffic and that's where Kyle really was able to pounce and it like we talked about it it came down to will and I think he really willed that zero one car to the front and we saw once he got past Christopher he was able to stay more aggressive through traffic and pull away but I, mean, I re- as a fan take announcing out I wanted to see it I wanted to see that play out and see could Christopher rope Kyle back in or was Kyle just going to pull away and cruise to his first chili bowl I know, and, and the fact that Christopher says, you know, hey, the fans were robbed, and he said, I was robbed, and, and Kyle was robbed, and, and I, I felt that too. I mean, because I'm like, man, this is so awesome. I'm so into this race. I can't believe, like, I'm just watching these guys lap after lap, and it's so close, and then one of them falls away, and Christopher, you know, wins by three seconds. I, I'm Obviously, it's going to be an unanswered question. It'll be a great debate for years. What would have happened had those laps played out. I mean, the way that Kyle was racing, uh, I think Christopher had woken up by then. He was kind of catching Kyle. I, I kind of felt Christopher all week seemed to be faster. Uh, he, just every time he was on the track, he was faster. I I almost feel like he would have won anyway, so I'm going to predict that he would have caught Kyle. Uh, Kyle would have made it hard. He was racing for his dad. You know, the, the one time that technically his dad was owning his car. Um, I don't know. Do you have a sense? Do you, do you care to make a prediction? What would have happened had Kyle's engine not blown? My gut tells me that Christopher would have won. I mean, they, they Christopher, as you said, it was just, Kyle was always fast. But Christopher, it just seemed like he was just on another level of fast. He was smoother. He was faster. Not that Kyle wasn't smooth, but Christopher, it just seemed like it came easy to him. But he's, he's racing more stress-free. As we said, he's got a driller, so it's not Kyle. He still wants to check that box off, but... Man, it would have been fun. It seemed like Kyle's engine started to sputter just a little bit the last lap or so before it went away, and that really enabled Christopher to close in a lot more. I think Christopher would have won, but it would have been interesting, especially would we have had a yellow. You never know. We, we went caution-free, but Kyle's car seemed to be a little bit better on the long runs. Christopher was better on the restarts. And here's another thing, Blake. I mean, so in, in NASCAR, you know, they've, they've got stages now. They, it's like you can't go too long before you really need a caution. I'm sitting up in the stands and I'm like, oh my God, I hope there's not a caution because I was just enjoying the lap traffic was making that race so super interesting. That was throwing such a wrench into it. It's such a, it's such a small track. There's not that far to go. I mean, and, and I, just, I was just like, oh my God, I hope this plays out because it was just so enjoyable. Um, do you, do you guys in the dirt world, are you like, do you look forward to cautions or are you like not, or do you have any feeling on that? I think it really varies by the event, an event here on a short track. It was like you said. I didn't want to caution. I was stay stay caution free. Now there are times when we get on, say a half mile or something, and a guy's really charging. Like, man, I'd like a caution because this guy's three. You know, he's a straightaway back, but he's faster. And I want to see. Okay, if we get in a clean track, can he make the move? So I think it really varies by the event. An event like tonight, I didn't want to caution. I wanted this thing to play out in lap traffic and really have these guys earn it and have the most aggressive guy be able to win the driller. Well, I do have some audio from Kyle Larson. Uh, he, he was frustrated. He went in his hauler uh, for a while, um, came out. He changed clothes, came out, and he talked to Bob Pockers and I for a few minutes. So let's take a listen to that really quick. You can describe your disappointment, but what happened there? I mean, what's it feel like? Uh, engine just started letting go. Um, probably two laps before it really let go. So, um, yeah, I mean, that sucks. I've had a blown engine here before like getting close to the lead but you know leading um 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I can deal with it since I've dealt with it now. It seems like the last few months, but um, yeah, it's just a bummer. Were you just mm-hmm. hoping that you know, God, I just, it, maybe let's make it. Maybe it's not really going. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna run it till it wouldn't run anymore. Um, like I said, it was blowing up for at least two laps, um, pretty heavily, um, and yeah, I was gonna pull in like right when I felt it, but then yeah, I ran a lap and didn't see him or you know hear him or anything so I was like oh, I'll just run till it blows up and um, I was still fairly equal with the lappers too but um, I figured it was a matter of time before it blew up. Blew up. Talking about just taking the opportunity in lap traffic to get by him I mean that was once you did that I mean is that something that you were like you're gonna have to do it in lap traffic to yeah, get by I, him? Yeah I knew I wouldn't get by him um, in a clean track and even as a lead, as the leader in, in in a clean track, I was hoping to get the traffic because I felt like you know my my sliders I was doing uh, were all pretty good, and I could get going back down the straightaway quick enough. And um, if I could just, I felt like if I could get the traffic, I would make you know, less mistakes, and um, you know he hopefully wouldn't have a shot to get by. But uh, I started blowing up kind of as I got to the traffic. Was there? Did you feel like you were driving like a really good race? I mean, it looked pretty smooth. Yeah, I, I did. Um, yeah, I mean, I felt I knew I was going to need to get to the top quick um, after that first caution and was going to run probably a lap around the bottom and get to the top and Bell got around me. Um, but then when we both got up top, I felt as good as he did um, at times a little bit better. I, I would exit the corner better than him. Um, and then, yeah, I got by him in traffic and, and felt really good. I, I felt like I had a good rhythm going that one that run one run. I got to the lead and through traffic and uh, like I said I was just hoping or I was waiting to get to traffic again because I felt like I could you know potentially gap him. What, what makes Bell so good at these cars? Uh, he's just really I mean he's good in every car yeah. but um, the midgets he's especially good I think because he's so smooth and um, you know he doesn't make really any mistakes so um, he makes us all here step up so um, yeah I mean when it comes to a midget there's nobody better than Bell. So Kyle Larson was obviously disappointed. You know, he he felt his engine going, he said, uh, a couple laps early. Bell said in the press conference that he heard it. And so at that point, he decided he's going to stop pressing him because he knows it's going to blow up and he didn't want to be too close to it, I think. Um, So I guess what's the future for these guys? I mean, they they don't race together that much. Um, You know, it's not like uh, this whole... Um, Chili Bowl goes off together. There's so many different kinds of dirt series. You're you're at one of them. Um, so will we see these guys together on the track anytime soon? From what I understand, Christopher's not going to be able to race dirt as much this season. Christopher raced one of our sprint cars at Tony Stewart Racing at the uh, at Florida for us last year and at the Kings Royal. And I was talking to the guys in the shop, and they were saying, ah, we're not going to be able to have Christopher run as much. The schedule's obviously a little bit more busy this year running Xfinity. But Kyle, it seems like he's been able to push Chip a little bit further past the 25 race allotment that he was allotted, which I think that was what he had told me. It was 25, and I think he ran like 29 or 31 or something like that this year. But we're lucky enough. I I see Kyle and Christopher. They run Ohio Sprint Speed Week a little bit with us, 410 Sprint Cars in Ohio with the All-Star Circuit of Champions. We'll see that. And and, uh, Kyle usually runs Indiana Midget Week a couple of nights, and Christopher seemed like – they ran there a couple of nights too so i would say the next time you probably see them run together would be there especially in a midget and if they don't run together there in a midget 
maybe Turkey Night Grand Prix in November. If not, we're going to have to wait till next year. So it really it that's part of what makes it so special here. It is, is it is a treat to be able to see these guys all race together because you just don't really know. There's nothing concrete as to when it's going to happen again. Yeah, it really is sort of like the ultimate all-star race. So, Blake, uh, what's next for you? I mean, you now you go out on the road, and you're going to be at a lot of races uh, announcing all over the country. Where, where do you go next? I'll be home the next two weeks. Indianapolis is home for me. Well, i got a trade show next week for our series. But I'll head down to Florida, and I'm down in Florida all month long with the Arctic Cat All-Star Circuit of Champions. We run five races. We start February 1st in Ocala, Florida. We're in a couple nights there. Then I'll head to Volusia Speedway Park and call... Our two all-star races there. Then I'll pit report for the World of Outlaw Craftsman Sprint Car Series and the World of Outlaw Craftsman Late Models and Super Dirt Car Big Block Modified Series. I'll call a midget race in uh, March, USAC midget race, their season opener. And then we pick up with our Arctic Cat All-Star Circuit of Champions 410 Sprint Cars in the first week of April. And pretty much from the first week of April until the second week of November it's every week at a, at a racetrack for me whether I'm with my series or at an outlaw race pit reporting I'm lucky enough that Tony and, and Roger Slack that runs Eldora Speedway will bring me in and let me pit reporter announce a lot of the uh, a lot of the outlaw races there with Johnny Gibson and and uh, my basically the next off weekend I'll have for an off race is Knoxville Nationals I don't think I'll work that's home for me so it's nice to be able to get back there and see some family and friends. Blake how did you get into this is this something that you grew up around and this was always the dream for you? I don't know if it's necessarily a dream. I wanted to work in broadcasting, but uh, when I was 15, I grew up going to races at Boone Speedway, a quarter-mile racetrack in Iowa that has the IMCA Super Nationals. It is a event that gets over 800 race cars, and I grew up going there, and uh, they had an announcer that he went on the road working for IMCA and was there only there about once every four weekends. And my dad basically told me, "If you're gonna, if we're gonna go up to Boone every weekend, you're gonna take, you're gonna try this announcing thing." I didn't want to do it, but my dad forced me into it, and they let me keep coming back. So I announced there for three years, and then Knoxville Raceway had an opening, and Tony Bachoven, the voice at Knoxville Raceway, kind of urged them to to bring me in, and really that was what jump started things for me and that put me on a bigger scale and I got to announce the Knoxville Nationals four times and I interned with the United States Auto Club and announced all their races for a season and then when I graduated college I graduated from the University of Northern Iowa I moved to Charlotte and my parents forced me to move down there like you want to work in racing this is where you're going they, they helped me stay on my feet and I after a year of just knocking on doors some of my NASCAR buddies getting me in at shops and, you know, saying, oh, we need you to get experience. Well, how do you get experience when the entry-level jobs require experience? I was lucky enough I got a job with World Racing Group that owns the World of Outlaws. And I worked there for a year, and Roger Slack called me in March of 2015 and said, hey, Tony Stewart just bought this Sprint Car Series, and we need a guy that can announce and do our marketing stuff. So I applied and ended up getting that job, and now I'm in year four tour in the country with the uh, Artie Cat All-Star Circuit of Champions and Love and Life. I never thought I'd get paid full to announce sprint car racing. It's, uh, it's my passion, and I love what I get to do. That's pretty awesome. So speaking of that, what what is what is it like to have the honor to be on the PA for this week in such a, a famous event? Like, do you, do you ever sort of, like, pinch yourself looking at around these stands that we're looking at right now as they're tearing up the track? I'm not really sure it's set in that I, I get to call the Chili Bowl every year. This is the third Chili Bowl I've gotten the chance to announce. I came, this is, uh, this is my ninth one, so I came to six as a fan. And my, the last one I came to as a fan in 2015, Tony Bachoven and Brian Holbert and Randy Ward that are the announcing crew here, I was standing up watching races with them, and they said, hey, we need a guy to announce in the infield. We rotate, call every fourth race, and do the victory lane and all that. Would you, be, would you, would you want to do that next year? And I was like, 
but I want to do that next year. Of course I want to do that. And it's, uh, it's certainly surreal to be down there and look around. I know you got to be down there quite a bit with us this, this week and look around and this place is packed and the turn two, the uh, top row rowdies in turn two are just going haywire and the, the stands, everyone's going nuts. And it's such a special event. And I never dreamed that as a 15 year old, when I started calling races at Boone Speedway, that I get to call some of the biggest dirt track races in the world. Yeah, that, that's pretty special. And, and I have to say, um, probably of all the things I've done in racing, um, sneaking down to the infield uh, tonight um, to watch the BNC mains was probably uh, the coolest experience. So um, I walked down the ramp and the guy kind of looked at me and I looked like, looked like I knew where I was going. So I just kept walking with a purpose. And um, so there was a chair. You saw me behind the victory lane. And I sat there um, and just in awe uh, in the infield, just watching these guys. A guy came over to me at one point and he said, uh, I was wearing a mask and, and one of the uh, usher guys or the marshals. And he's like, hey, you know, you can't wear that mask if you're going to be down here. And if you do, you got to sit down because we can't show any masks on TV or something. And I was like, OK, I'll, I'll just sit here. Um, but I was just like enthralled. Then I had to pee so super bad after the B mains. And, the, and you know, I, I, it seemed like there was a gap in time. So I went up the ramp to pee. And when I tried to come back down, there was a guy saying, no, you don't have an infield uh, pass. So this guy was on it. He wouldn't let me down. So I was deprived of the A main being in the infield. But it was so cool to see the B and C mains because the, the atmosphere built up to the point where it was just super big. And I'm like, man, this is really getting down to it. It was super intense. You're seeing so many good guys. The racing, the quality racing, and picked up. Um, I would tell everybody listening, man, you got to get to the Chili Bowl. But the thing is, tickets, there's a waiting list, right? There is, but we've always got pit passes. And that's the neat thing, and I think that's what help, has helped grow in the sport is you can get a pit pass and go roam the pits, and it's it's not an exclusive thing like NASCAR. you got to have your hot pass. You can come up, lay, I think it's 45 50 bucks on the table for Saturday night, which is not very much money with the access that you get. And, I mean, you can walk right up. Christopher Bell signing autographs at the trailer all night long, sitting, sell, selling his T-shirts for $20, you know. Rico, the same way. Kyle Larson, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Casey Kane. You can walk right up to him, and that's what's helped really grown this is the access to these guys is so accessible. And there's always tickets for sale. You know, this, you know you've made it in this event when there's scalpers out front saying, hey, you got tickets, you got tickets. I need tickets. Yeah. I need tickets. But uh, there, there are tickets available if you get lucky. And I think March 1st is the day when the empty seats go for sale. And I talked to a guy after the races tonight that said they were in vacation in Mexico and they called 63 times to get tickets. And they finally got tickets in turns three and four in row 30. But that's how persistent race fans are. But, yeah, there is a wait list. And uh, I would uh, highly recommend getting here. It's a special event. Well, okay. So there you have it. So there are tickets available, but you have to pretty much get them in March when they go on sale. Otherwise, you're going to be um, at a scalper. And, uh, yeah, so keep calling, keep trying. It is worth it, I got to tell you. Um, Blake, thank you so much for taking 20 minutes on a very, very late night. It's already uh, the day after the Chili Bowl now as we record this. But thank you so much for doing this. And, uh, man, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I really appreciate it. I, I love your work. I love reading your articles. And it was great to meet you. And I hope that we get to see you more at some more dirt track races, get you to the Knoxville Nationals and the Kings Royal. And I uh, hope we see you back here next year. Sounds good. I, I hope not to miss it. Uh, everybody else, uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.